All right. Sick. Hey, episode 10. Well, that means it's the finale. Uh, there's not going to be a second season. Uh, I just There's other things I want to do. There's new projects I want to try. I've got a pretty big idea uh, for next year. So I need to start working on that more or less now. Um, so thanks for listening for the, the last well, 10 episodes now, um, I've just got a couple of people I want to thank and I've written it down. So if it sounds like I'm reading, it's because I am. I'm also not great at reading. So strap yourself in. Uh, I just want to thank, as always, to uh, Josh from Killer Merch for sponsoring this podcast and being so amazing to deal with, as always. Uh, Thank you to the ESPY for giving us the opportunity to record a podcast in the coolest venue imaginable. We really appreciate you giving us a chance and letting us be the guinea pigs for this amazing little setup. Um, goes without saying that we'd like to thank Luke Warlow for recording, mixing and putting together the audio for each and every episode for the last 10 weeks. I think everyone listening will agree that you fucking nailed it, mate. Um, thanks to Art by Dale for doing all the branding, art direction and illustrating for the podcast Visual Identity. I've been a huge fan of Dale's for years and finally getting to work with him on this uh, and even tattoo him and, and become mates through the, through the whole process has been one of my favourite parts of doing this. Um, thanks to my mate Jareth Hughes for the original music that he created for the podcast. I think he's created 10 fully fleshed out songs and we just went with the first one. He's an ama- absolute mega musician and songwriter. So if you haven't listened to his band Rosella yet, you're wasting your fucking life. Uh, and thanks to Jay Wennington for coming on uh, a few episodes in and creating all the content for our YouTube channel. That's right. You can watch the videos on YouTube of the podcast. It's just us sitting in a little room, but you can put faces to the words. Um, The last few episodes will be up eventually. Jay's a very busy man. He has his own agency called Bad Seed. And I'd like, probably highly recommend, definitely highly recommend you uh, to hit him up for all your creative content needs. All right, so today's guest, he's single-handedly responsible for giving me a start in tattooing, teaching me everything I know, and uh, always being there for me outside of work and supported me and encouraged me to go on and do whatever the fuck I wanted as long as I didn't half-ass it. This man means the absolute fucking world to me, if you haven't been able to tell. Uh, I've mentioned him in literally every single episode of this podcast. It's also worth mentioning that this episode might get a little bit heavy at times as we're discussing topics surrounding mental health. So if this episode raises any problems for you, seek help. Chat to a professional, your parents, a mate, your boss, uh, whoever you have to. I I promise you that the hardest part is just going to be starting the conversation and then from there uh, it only gets easier, it only gets better. So, without further ado, let's fucking do this. Episode 10, the final episode of the True Love Tattoo Podcast. All right. Three, two. (laughs) Fuck. Welcome back to episode 10 of the True Love Tattoo Podcast. Uh, Final episode today. I know, I'm sad too. It's, uh, I'd like to thank Killer Merch for sponsoring the entire season. Um, absolute legends. Um, they've hooked up every single guest that's come on, which was very generous of them. Um, so to get stuff done by Killer Merch, hit them up, killermerch underscore printing, or go to their website, which is killermerch.com.au. Um, the best quality shit and the best customer service you will ever experience. Today is a big one. Not only being the last episode, today's guest uh, I owe everything to. 
Today's guest uh, gave me a start. Uh, he's the owner of Conspiracy Tattoo in Wagga Wagga, New South Wales. It's Mr. Dan Pollock. Thanks for coming down, Dan. Thanks for having me, mate. It's That's a all pleasure right. Pleasure to be here. A pleasure. Just like uh, Reese last week, you've you've come down specifically to do the the podcast, and then you're fucking off again pretty much straight after. That is true. Whirlwind trip. <laughs> Too short. <laughs> Too short. Um, so I guess let's get started with what you were doing pre-tattooing. How long have you been tattooing for now? Uh, it's always hard to say. Um, I'd say about 10 or 11 years now. It's it, I'm not one of those guys that sort of pinpoints an exact date yeah. on when I started and I really wish I did have that anniversary. It's like, yeah, now it's been 10 years or whatever. It's hard if you're but coming I into it like part-time or whatever. Yeah, hey. that was the problem. I had a few years sort of part-time working other jobs as well as tattooing. So it's, yeah, it, where do you start? Where do you actually draw the line to where you started from? Yeah, well, yeah, let's, so. let's start with what you are doing before tattooing. What were you doing before you tattooed? <sighs> well... I guess before I was actually, well, I was just, you know, before I started actual tattooing, I was gardening, but I mean, I did a lot of stuff prior to that. Not heaps, but a a few things. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I guess during school, I was always sort of really interested. I I sort of didn't do the art kind of side of stuff at school. I was more technical drawing sort of orientated. So At school, I was always sort of more sort of lined towards doing maybe architecture or drafting, that kind of technical side of the drawing part, Yeah, which, you know, really interests me. I was actually quite good at that. Um, I think probably that comes through in the tattoos that I do. Definitely. Now. If you haven't seen uh, Dan's tattoos, it's Dan31 on Instagram. Um, an incredibly intricate uh, sort of, you do heaps of different stuff. You do neo trad, you do dot work, you do sort of geometric stuff, you do fucking insane lettering. A lot of it, like the sort of, especially with the, the dot work and the, and the mandalas and all that sort of stuff that you do, I think that's where your tech drawing sort of background really shows through. Definitely, yeah, that's, that's definitely um, where I really, uh, I guess, the main direction in in early times sort of went towards. Yeah. Um, as I said, I really enjoyed that. I, I really thought that's where I'd end up. Yeah. And when I left school, um, I ended up doing, actually I did get a job drafting. It was only a six-month kind of, you know, scheme kind of job with, the, actually it was with the railway. Yeah, right. And we used to be in charge of, yeah, it was pretty mundane stuff. Someone would want to lease a section of railway line, so you'd have to draw up the plans for that section and, you know, mark out where the lease went and all that. It was quite boring. Yeah. So I did that for <laughs> six months and I actually enjoyed the drawing part of it. Um, yep. But I kind of went, well, this office kind of deal isn't the greatest. Like it, yeah. it was like it burst my bubble a little bit. Yeah, it was a bit soul-crushing. It really was. Yeah. It was kind of like I love the drawing part but not the environment of it and yeah. it was like I don't know if I could actually be doing this for you know a long career yeah I felt, so, I felt similar to that doing yeah. like graphic design at, yeah. a, at a printery it was sort of like oh cool it I'm doing the it. bubble I'm it doing was, graphic design but yeah it was the vibe of everything that just kind of ruins it for you without a doubt it was I don't know I, I can't explain it but um, I kind of thought once the six months ended I actually tried to get a job like a, a longer term job with them. Yep. And that didn't work out. And I mean, 
It, it's pro- it was probably for the best, obviously. But, so is this, um, is this straight after school? So you like that was a little bit after school. I kind of bummed around for a little bit of time. <laughs> Had a bit of time, you know, getting paid by the government and all that. It was, I see. yeah, it you was were, a bit of a leisurely time. You were that cunt. Yeah, I yeah. was. <laughs> I was on the dole, you know, I was doing the thing. I wasn't really interested. I was really, I don't know, I didn't have a direction, direction very much. Was, I really yeah. didn't know where I wanted to go. So yeah, did that for a little while and, yeah, eventually got, the, got that job. So that turned things around a little bit because, you know, I was earning pretty good money for them too. I was like, wow, this is way better than being on the dole and that's like, this is cool. Yeah. So <laughs> that was great. But obviously then that ended. Um, after that, I kind of just had to get a job because obviously I liked the money situation. So I was yeah. like, well, all right, let's get a job somewhere. So I ended up through, you know, a friend of my father's, I got a job just at a factory, like milk milk factory. Yep. Um, and I was sort of like, you know, in the, um, I was loading trucks and stuff. They had a, a milk section and a, like a yogurt and, you know, custard and all that kind of the byproduct section. So I was doing that for, geez, I don't know, maybe 10 years just, that's packing, an insane amount of packing time. pallets and, you know, in the cool room, you know, all the time, starting early, yeah. loading trucks, you know, just, just that kind of a job. Yeah, so I can't imagine you were passionate about it, but it was just I really sort of wasn't. Like I, I hated mean, it. I, I, I didn't. I shouldn't say hate. That's, that's a pretty strong <laughs> word. But there was definitely, you know, I was pretty unsatisfied doing that. It was mainly just, you know, work, living week to week sort of thing, earning the money, blowing it. What kept you doing just, it for 10 years just because it was that safe job? I think just because, no, it, well, it, there was the security, but it was more just I think that point in time I was young, I was just partying and just wanting <laughs> to earn money and just not do anything really with myself other than just getting wasted and having a crazy time. Yeah. So that's what I did for <laughs> maybe a little bit too long in hindsight, <laughs> but, hey, you know, what can you do? We... We do what we do. Right. So then after that... Uh, at, at what point did you just decide you wanted to throw in the factory job? Well, what actually happened was um, it was kind of went come through tragedy that something good came of. Like my grandma passed away right. and actually got a little bit of money from an inheritance through that. Yep. And um, I was like, well, you know, what, what are we going to do? And I was with, um, with my wife by then. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if we were married then, yes, we probably would have been married by then. Um, and I was like, well, I've got a little bit of money there. It was like, it wasn't a fortune or anything, don't get me wrong. I'm not rolling in money, but <laughs> it was enough where I could sort of think, well, it's take, taken the pressure off a little bit. Maybe I could think about doing something different without actually, you know, putting myself into poverty or both of us into poverty. Yep. Um, so I made the choice to go to uni and um, study horticulture. I had a friend who had done that yep. and I was actually quite interested in it. It was a little bit random because I really hadn't had much sort of background with that. Yep. But it was just, I think, I was interested in it and I think it was a little bit creative as well because it was... How's um, horticulture creative? It was called amenity horticulture so it wasn't like the growing of crops and fruits and vegetables and stuff. It was more like flowers, like plant. Uh, Parks and gardens, you know, okay. the design of, you know, gardens. So you could te- technically come out and be, you know, a garden designer and that oh, kind cool. of thing. So it was all, yeah, all amenity kind of plants, which, 
you know, is is pretty creative as opposed to just the production horticulture side of things. Yeah, right. So yeah, that was um, that was pretty good. It was rewarding. I went went and did that. What did year, reasonably well. What year was this that you were at uni? Oh, jeez, don't even ask me. I don't even know. <laughs> I'm terrible with years and when things happened. Um, but was it uh, pre two thousand? I honestly can't tell you. I'd have to. I'd have to calculate it, and that's probably going to take too long. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to count, count back. Yeah, it was. It'd probably be what about thirty years ago. Wow. Probably, yeah. maybe close to that. Yeah. So nineties. Yeah. 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 So yeah, did did uni. Yep. And then obviously went out and worked in that field for about fifteen years, I think. Yeah. Um, I've tried to add it up. As I said, I'm not great with dates and things and how long I did things, but I think it was around 15 years. Yep. Um, what, just like contract gardening? Or? I was pretty much just working for myself. Yeah. And as I said, I had a friend in the business already and she had sort of established a um, kind of like a home garden maintenance sort of business where a lot of like older people, I suppose, who or, you know, professional people who had nice gardens that didn't have the time to maintain them yeah. would hire, you know, people like myself to go in and just, you know, whether it be a day, a week or whatever, to go in and look after their gardens, keep it weeded, keep it pruned, keep it, you know, up to whatever they wanted to do. You yeah. just kept all the hedges nice and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it was it was a pretty nice environment to be working in. Yeah. You know, it was I, – I actually enjoyed it. Apart, obviously – there was bad times, the, yeah. the dead of winter and you're trying to weed stuff with frost on the ground and stuff. That wasn't great. Yeah, but, fuck. you know, there was there was a lot of rewarding stuff in it. Yeah. Um, you could see the results of things and, you know, you. for me, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. so <laughs> A little bit? Uh, yeah, all right, a lot. <laughs> so I'd like to, um, you know, at the end of the day you could stand back and go, yeah, that looks really good, you know, that's, that's changed You've got things. something to show for I wasn't the into it. the mowing lawns, you know, that kind of yeah. stuff. That was a bit, I'm not going to say below me because, <laughs> but that's, I just wasn't interested in doing that because there was, there's already plenty of people who mow lawns specifically, yeah, but not too many people who do the other a, side. A menial sort of task. Just I think like, so. I, yeah. I, I just felt like it wasn't really utilising my skills to the full potential of what I'd been trained to do, I guess. Right. So, yeah, so, that's what I did for like, 15 years. When when did you start getting tattooed? Did you start getting tattooed quite young? Or? I'd actually had a couple of small tattoos. Uh, I think I got my first tattoo when I was about 19. Yep. Yeah, around that age. Right. Um, I'd always really been interested in them, but I didn't really sort of think that I'd, I never, end, you know, never entertained the thought that I'd end up actually doing them. That was I, the furthest thing from my mind. I, I never thought that I would ever be doing it. Well, how did it come about? How do you go from doing like sort of contract gardening type stuff to tattooing? Okay. Like, there's no, well, no real sort of segue between the two. There really isn't. Um, <laughs> I guess it's a bit of a long story how that came about, but and I think the majority of people out there who are in tattooing and possibly want to get into tattooing are going to be just hating me <laughs> about this. Yes. But this is how it occurred. I'd, I had been researching tattoos for uh, probably a few years 
um, because like what you want to get. Or, yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. just you know, I was really interested in them. I just researched a lot, and it was pre sort of Instagram, Facebook kind of time. So, and I lived in Wagga, so you know. There wasn't a great choice. There wasn't a million shops there where I could go and look at. And yeah. basically the only sort of shops there, there was only, excuse me, two I think, where you could go in there, you know, they had a heap of flash on the walls and stuff, which is awesome, but a lot of the flash, you know, it probably wasn't that great. Yeah. And it really wasn't the kind of thing that I was looking for, I think. Were you after like something I'm not bigger? sure what I was looking for. I don't think it was anything bigger, but I just don't think a lot of the subject matter of the flash that they had really interested me. Was it me. all like wizards and crystal balls I think it was. And, and dolphins? Yeah, I think it was a lot of Cherry Creek kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, which, <laughs> don't get me wrong, that's not bad, but yeah. it just wasn't me. It wasn't, wasn't what, what I was after. looking for. So, yeah, as I said, I, I sort of went a bit further afield and started, you know, I'd be hanging out at the bloody newsagent every every month just hanging out for all the new magazines to come out. And I'd be, you know, literally buying all of the, you know, there was probably half a dozen magazines that you used to get in Wagga yep. at, at the time. I was probably buying at least three or four of those every month yep. and just going home and just pouring through the magazines and just looking at stuff, you know. Oh, that's cool. Or, no, I don't really like that, you know. And that went on for a long time. Yeah. Did you, find, did you find yourself gravitating towards uh, a certain style more think, than another? I think back then it was pretty random actually. Yeah. And I think even now, you know, I think my idea of what I like is sort of a bit random. I'm not sort of, I don't sort of like one thing or the other. Yeah. I kind of treat everything at its own merits and I can see, you know, if I might like one thing that might be completely different to some other style and, yeah, I do like little, little yeah, bits I, and I pieces of a lot of things. When people walk into Conspiracy Tattoo, there's loads of traditional stuff on the walls. I do. Everywhere. I, I do like traditional which stuff. Is, which is uh, crazy because people might not think uh, trad tattoos when they think of Dan 31. They think Definitely way not. more like the, the ornamental sort of um, elaborate and, and detailed sort of things. Yeah. But that, that was definitely where... I got exposed to traditional tattoos because I got my first I ever tattoo. I think personally I like them. Yeah. But to do them, I don't think I'm that great at that style because I haven't really, uh, I guess, honed my skills on that style, yeah. I suppose. I think the people listening will be surprised to, to know that you did my first ever tattoo the, like the week I turned 18. I came over to Wagga from Leeton yes, and you did, did my first ever tattoo. But all the stuff that I started getting was probably what uh, a lot of people would consider now to be white girl shit. Yeah, probably it's probably safe to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah they like, were. I, I wanted. I the don't like things. to ever kind of yeah put any sort of thing down into any sort of categories or anything like that. I was like getting that. white girl but shit. But yeah, yeah. I guess you were. Yeah, but it was like the... the uh, but was, to me, I look at it like I, I don't judge what a tattoo is and who's getting it. I'm like, yeah, well, that that's the right tattoo for that person at that time, you <laughs> at know? At that time. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Like we yeah, all change totally. and we all maybe look back. Well, not everyone. Some people are lucky enough to have a whole collection of tattoos that are 
great. Yeah, don't you hate those they're people? Only, <laughs> they're a very, very small minority, I reckon. Yeah. There's a lot of people that look back on their earlier choices and go, what the fuck was I thinking? Yeah. But then I always look at it like, yeah, that was right for you at that time. Yeah. doesn't mean that it's going to be, you're going to love it 20 years later, but that's not the point. Yeah. You've got to remember that at that point, you wanted that and that was the best thing. So you shouldn't really regret that. No. That's that's how I sort of look at things. Yeah, I fuck it. I've leaned yeah. into them. You do. You have yeah. to. <laughs> because, yeah, tattoos are for life. So you've got to kind of just live with your choices yeah. and it's like, oh, that's... That's 20... It's like you look, you you look, look in the mirror. You look back now and you go, oh, that's 2010, Michael. Oh, fuck, yeah. You look in the mirror and you're like, man, i got a fucked nose. Oh, well, it's part of me now. Exactly. And same with the, the Half shit Half the time tats. I don't even notice the tattoos that I've got anymore anyway. So <laughs> yeah. you forget you've got them. Remember yeah. when I forgot I had a crow on the back of my arm and I was it talking about getting a crow? Arm. Yeah. And you're like, you've already got one on your arm, you're ready. I'm like, where? You're like, on your back of your arm. I went, oh, fuck yeah, I have. It's massive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I got sort of exposed to traditional tattooing through coming to, to your shop. Um, Guess so. Yeah. So you were going through magazines. You are sort yeah. of liking a That's bit right. of... got sidetracked. Liking yeah. a bit of everything. Yeah. Um, how, yeah. How did you come into... Well... An apprenticeship. How it happened was I decided that I wanted to get a sleeve and I was like, all right, well, I want to get uh, like koi fish, something like that, because I'd read somewhere that, you know, somewhere that koi represent male children and, and you know, I don't even know if that's true, but <laughs> I definitely read that somewhere. I was like, well, yeah. that, that makes sense because I've got two boys. So I thought, oh, well, I could get a couple of koi, you know, that, that'll be cool and, you know. You, you liked what they represented. I liked Jap- yeah, I did and I mm-hmm. like Japanese style. So I thought, oh, well, that'll be cool. So I started, you know, thinking, I was actually to the point where I was thinking, oh, well, I'm going to have to travel to, you know, get something like that done because there wasn't too many, you know, artists around that was doing that sort of stuff yep. to a level that I kind of wanted at that point. Yeah. And it was just random, but it just so happened that a new tattooer had come to town who was working in one of the piercing shops there and I just randomly happened to go in there one day and I was like, oh, Tattooer here. I didn't even know that this was here. So went and checked him out, you know, talked to him a bit, went, yeah, cool. He was like, yeah, you know, I can do, I think I ended up getting something small off him to start with and did a bit more research on him. And over the years, I'd sort of, you know, gathered some pictures of things that I'd really liked and whatever. And it just happened that I went home and I was just looking through a magazine that, you know, and then lo and behold, I went, oh, there's one of the favourite tattoos that I've seen. And I happened to look down it was done by Brian Brady who actually happened to be the tattooer that had come to Wagga. And I'm like, well, fuck me, that's a bit of a coincidence, isn't Brian, it? Brian Brady was the man we mentioned last week with Reese Gordon that he first met in Amsterdam. They worked together in Amsterdam. That's correct. Um, and then he worked with Reese at Skin Effects up on the Gold Coast. So Brian had sort of been all over the world by that point and then he kind had. of settled and in Wagga. He worked at the Gold Coast for quite, quite a lot of years and yeah. then just decided to get out of there and came to Wagga randomly yeah. because he knew the piercing guy. Um, so, yeah, from that point I was like, all right, well, he might be the person to, you know, do this job for me. And cool. then I sort of 
Look, I procrastinated over it a bit. I, I sort of went in there. I was one of those guys that would go in and, you know, you'd want to talk to them a bit more and, oh, but what about this and, oh, maybe that and, you know, never really commit to actually doing it. And you I think I went in there. Bandit. I was, totally. I was the yeah. worst. But <laughs> he was entertaining enough, thankfully, and then yep. went in there one day with my wife and she was just like, look, for fuck's sake, why don't you just book in to get it? Yep. And I'm like, what, really? Like she put me on the spot. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, just fucking book in and do it. And I'm like, oh, you're <laughs> all right. Just, she was just sick of your she's shit. She's always been the, you know, the one that says, look, just do this. Yeah, Because yeah. I'm always very hesitant and I'm fucking overanalyzing everything. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, all right. So I went, all right, okay, let's do this. So over the course of getting tattooed, obviously you don't do a sleeve, you know, in one session. It was over a few sessions. Um, and obviously we got chatting talk a fair bit of shit during getting tattoos. So yes. I think, I don't know what happened. Obviously <laughs> what I'd said was enough that he might have thought, oh, well, because obviously I knew a lot about tattooing. Yeah. Um, well, not so much tattooing, but I knew a lot of tattooers. I knew a lot of different mm-hmm. styles and I was able to talk And by that point you'd enough. been tattooed a fair few times. Well, or- no, I hadn't been tattooed heaps. I'd been tattooed a couple of times. Right. But I definitely knew... A lot about a lot of different styles and a lot of um, artists that were doing really good work in those styles. Yeah. So I was able to, you know, name drop a few people and he was like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, I know that person or, oh, I used to work with that guy or whatever. Yeah. So well, he, he clearly saw something. Right. And one day he just said, oh, you don't draw, do you? And I went, oh, well, you know, I did tech drawing at school but I didn't really do any art sort of stuff and he was like, oh, okay, and just left it at that and I I pissed off and, you know, had to come back for another session and I came to book in and um, he's just like said to me, so when are you starting your apprenticeship? And I was like, um, (laughs) when do you want me? And he's like, what about Saturday? And I'm like, all right. Yeah. And then I went home and I went, fuck, the fuck did I just do? Like, what did I say? What did I agree to? <laughs> what, all these things. That got, am I going to be able to do this? Why? Why did I say yes? Like, yeah. But I knew deep inside if I didn't try this and at least give it a go, I would like regret it for the rest of my life. It would be one of those things that yeah. I'd look back on and I'd go, I am a fucking idiot. Yeah. I had this choice that so many people want and if I blow this, you know, Without, without even trying, that's, you know, that's the stupidest thing I could ever do. How old were you around then? You would have been around... I was 40. You were 40. Yes. So from having that sort of stable job, your, your gardening job, yep. um, having just, you know, pretty stable jobs for however long in the factory and, and all that sort of stuff to now being 40, being like, I'm going to start a fucking tattoo apprenticeship where I'm going to make fuck all money. Yep. How did how'd that conversation go with your wife, Patria? Well, as I said before, I'm really fortunate that, you know, I've, we've been married quite a few years now. Yep. Um, 20... You've been married as long as I've been alive, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. 27, I think. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> 26. I... Somewhere around there. Again, I'm, I'm she, trying to add it up as we're speaking. I'm like, <laughs> she probably will and I've probably got that wrong. I, oh, I, I so apologise. It was 1993 anyway we got married, so there. Okay, I, I, was, I was one year, one year old when um, you got married. So, 
yeah, she's always been really supportive with whatever crazy ideas I've had. Thankfully, <laughs> she's been the one that's been, you know, the career person and, mm-hmm. and very um, stable in what she does. So I was extremely fortunate that I've had someone like her that has backed me no matter what. Yep. And she said, look, do it. What, what's the worst that can happen? You, it doesn't work out, you can go back to gardening. Yep. It's not like you have to give it up now, you know. You're just going to be doing Saturdays. It's not a big deal. Yeah, so it started off just the, the one day a week. Yeah. And you still had your, your gardening gig yeah, definitely. all the other days. Yeah, yeah. I'd go in there and, I, you know, I'd serve customers and I'd scrub tubes and the biggest thing for me was back then I started out by just, Brian was like, okay, see all those flash sheets on the wall? Just go and trace them. Yeah. Just start tracing them. Do some outline sheets for us. I'm sure he probably had a lot of outlines for those things to oh, totally. done. Yeah. But it's like, no, let's go and see what you got. Go and, go and start making outlines for them. So if anyone comes in and they want that, you can just pull that out. So I had to trace every single sheet in there. I was, it was a lot. And I was cataloging them and putting them in folders and numbering them and all so we could find them easy and, you know. Yeah. I was putting my organisational skills to work because yep. <laughs> I do like things to be organised. So, yes. yep. so yeah, I, I did that to start with and then how, it just built. How long did you do that sort of gig, like the Saturday gig, before you eventually <sighs> did your first tattoo? I honestly don't. I actually, it wasn't too long before I actually did my first tattoo, which was on my sister. What was it? It was a kanji. The nice. kanji symbol on the wrist. What was the, the kanji for? I was, I don't even know. Don't know. I don't know what it what it stood for. I don't know even why she got it. Yeah, it was probably terrible. I haven't seen it for a <laughs> while. I try not to look at it, but yeah, I honestly can't even remember what it was for. But yeah, I did that. Um, I had done a couple of little, um, just the piercing guy that we worked with had, um, you know, some old tribal that wasn't. Great. So I, I coloured those in, you know, beforehand. Yep. But that was my actual first tattoo. Yep. And then after that, it was a pretty slow process of just doing very small stuff. Probably, yeah, things that, excuse me, that I could deal with. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was quite a slow process because I was still gardening. So I was doing, I think I started out doing maybe a couple of days a week, mm-hmm. um, tattooing and the rest gardening and slowly just weed myself to an extra day tattooing and then got to a point where Brian was like, well, all right, what are you going to do? Are you going to keep gardening or are you going to come and tattoo? Yeah. And I was like, well, all right, I'm starting to get a bit more work. I probably should just Go know, for it. do one or the other. So I was like, all right, well, I probably should just quit the gardening and just tattoo. Yeah. So that's what I did. And I just went, all right. And th- that day came and I was just doing that five days a week. And yeah. that's still doing it. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. And then uh, I think it might have been something like eight years ago, you hired me to do the Saturday shift. Yep. To do the, the little weekend shift, serve customers, scrub tubes. Yep. You took over that Saturday spot. Yeah. And uh, the, the shop changed a lot. Um, from when you eventually bought the business off Brian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... I did that. You did. It became yours. And uh, you repainted the walls. 
Yeah, it was way too up. soon. I wasn't. I was not ready for yeah, that. Yeah, how, how, how long have you been tattooing? Three or four years or something? I think at I'd that only point? been tattooing about four years by that point. Yeah. And to me, in my mind, it was like, no way, this is way too soon for me to be owning a shop. I shouldn't have a shop. I'm not ready to have a shop. Yeah. I don't know enough about tattooing <laughs> to have a shop. This is not right. Right. But I was also in the same mind where it was like, okay, if I don't buy the shop, Brian's going to sell it to someone else and then I may not have a job or yeah. I may have to work for someone that I really don't like or it might not work out. Yeah. So I was like, well, I have to do this. It was one of those things where sink or swim, it's like, all right, well, you're not ready but you've just got to do it. Work it just out as you go along. figure it out. So I did it. Yeah. What was... Um, it was what, scary. What was the scariest part? Just like... Just like everything. Fine. Just having the... Um, just, I guess, everything relying on me, you know, to make right. this work. Because for a lot, Brian moved to Thailand, so he wasn't there all the time. He'd come back occasionally. He wasn't, but he did sell the shop to me with not not the like that he had to, but he did say, look, if, you know, you buy the shop, is it all right if I come back and, you know, work there totally. every so often? I'm like, yeah, of course. You yeah. know, like he taught me to tattoo. I am not going to go, no, no way, <laughs> you know, I just want this for mine, you know, you're out. Yeah. That was never going to be the case because I'm old-fashioned, you know, respect and all that stuff. So I guess, so. I guess that also would have been kind of reassuring to know if you've got questions about how to do shit, Brian's still kind of there. Definitely. That you can sort of, yep. yeah, yeah hit him up and, and ask him about mm. shit. So it wasn't like he'd left completely. Definitely not. So it wasn't just complete, yeah, just whitewash, that's it, you're, you know, you're on your own. Yeah. Um, that was a little bit more comforting. Yeah. But it was still definitely, you know, very daunting to, I guess, yeah, just be on me to make it all work because obviously before it was just earning a bit of money and earning a percentage of what I was doing, there was no pressure. Whereas once I bought the shop, it was like, okay, well, I need to make sure the rent's paid. There's all these bills. I've got to do all this stuff before I start making money. So I need to make this happen. Yeah, and it's a lot of pressure when it's just you tattooing for True. for the most part. True. So that'd be a huge weight on your shoulders. A little bit. And over the years, like since you took over it, conspiracy changed a lot. I think it has. I feel yeah. like um, there were more and more people starting to travel to Wagga to get tattooed at Conspiracy. Um, you started doing... I think that was a bit established before I took it over. Yeah. Um, it had a pretty good because reputation. Because Brian did, definitely yeah. did have a good reputation about yeah his tattoos and stuff. So I think people were already coming from a fair... Like Wagga's a good service area, so it does have a lot of towns around it that people come to. Yeah. And then, and then you started doing like flash days, started doing... Well, that was because of you. Uh, I nagged. Um, that was definitely your idea, but a good one. I didn't invent flash days. No, you didn't, I but just... you pushed it very hard for us to do it. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's where, I, you know, I, I give credit to you because you helped make Conspiracy what it is today by introducing those other things that I would have been too scared to do. I wouldn't have been prepared. You would have done to, them. I wouldn't have done them on my own without someone like you encouraging that. And you know, I definitely, you know, play a, put a big credit of where I am now to the things that you contributed to the shop as well. Thanks, mate. No, I definitely <laughs> do. But I mean, like, 
yeah, we like we did flash days, we did conventions together, um, and then we do stuff like again. That was you pushing that. I just wanted to tattoo at a convention. Yeah, I wasn't allowed I to go unless have, you took me. I don't think I ever would have <laughs> done that just on my own without yeah. you encouraging it. And it was like, all right, well, fuck if we have to. <laughs> and then, of course, we did it and it was like, fuck, that was the best thing. Why, did, why haven't we been doing this, you know? so Yeah, it yeah. was loads of fun. It was uh, great. But also, like, you did a lot of charity sort of stuff too. Like there would be, like, um, was it the Black Dog um, always, Ride or yeah, something? Yeah, the Black Dog Ride. There's, they always do that each year and they come and see me and they're like, oh, can you donate some? I'm always like, yeah, there's a voucher, man, go for it. Yeah, you know? yeah like, That's like, always a thing. You're always doing that sort of stuff. And I feel like there's not a great deal of tattoo shops that sort of give back to things like that. Um, you did that. There was, yeah, like little charity sort of auctions and you'd give them a, a voucher or... I always sort of try to support the local stuff that's going on mainly. I do, you know, it's it's mainly if people are doing a local fundraiser thing for whatever charity, I'll definitely try to support that. Yeah, and then like sort of I feel like whenever you sort of got on board with things like that um, via social media, you sort of talked publicly about like your own struggles with mental health and, and why you wanted to back certain things like that or like Movember or or whatever. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, yeah, anything like that is, you know, pretty close to my heart, I suppose. So Yeah, that's what I, I was definitely ask. Like, I don't hesitate in supporting that sort of stuff. No, sure. it's yeah, it's sort of a, yeah. a no brainer when, when you've been on the on the receiving end of, of some rough times. Sure. Um but like if you cast your mind back, was there a, a sort of moment where you realised that you were starting to struggle with your mental health? Um like I think, like I, I don't think there's. A, well, it's hard to put my finger on an exact moment. Yep. Um, but like looking back on my life, obviously by the time you know I'm not young anymore, you kind of get a bit respe- retrospective a bit, and you look, you do look back on things and wonder why you are the way you are. Yeah. Um, the only thing I can really think is you know there was a pretty, I guess a pretty traumatic event in my life. Early on, when I was I was about seven, I think, and like my mum passed away at that age, and it was something that like she she was quite ill. Yeah, it was one of those things. And I think because of my age, I don't think anyone had sort of really explained, you know, the extent of her illness. Like I knew she was sick, obviously, because yeah. you know it wasn't silly. I could see that she had to go to hospital a bit and stuff, but I didn't realise she was probably sick enough that she could die. I suppose. Right. And so to me, when that happened, it was kind of a shock. Definitely. It, it just came from out of the blue. So I was like, "Holy fuck!" You know what? I didn't realise. One minute she's so, there, the yeah, next and then the next minute I'm like, like, and like things had happened. But I, my, I'd moved to Sydney with with her. Excuse me, to live with my grandmother and her, so she could seek, you know, better hospital treatment. Yep. So after she passed away, obviously I came back to Wagga with my dad. Yep. And I, yeah, you know, I didn't know, but they'd kind of separated, you know. And in the meantime, he'd met, you know, another partner and kind of had a a new relationship going on. Yeah. So I kind of come straight from, yeah living with my mum sort of thinking I didn't even know about like dad's relationship or anything and then pretty much come straight from that back to Wagga to like a a new blended family. Yeah. And it was like, fuck, you know, what's going on? Like like you just kind of felt like, oh, mum's been replaced or something? It definitely did feel like that and I don't think that was the intention. No. But 
like I, I've talked to Dad about it and, and you know, he, he thought from his perspective he felt like he was doing the right thing by me and, and everything to have me in an, a family environment and that sort of stuff. Yeah, with that, that but, mother figure. Yeah, but yeah. for me I wasn't at all ready for that situation. Yeah. And it, it was, you know, really difficult and I definitely, look, I think cha- things have changed a lot with mental health and, you know, these days people talk about it a lot. Mm-hmm. I was sort of of the generation where a lot of stuff was un- unsaid and it was just expected that, oh, you know, yeah, you'll be right, mate, you know, just just keep going. Especially and as a dude you too. Saw, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You, they, no one was ever sort of interested in just checking up how people were and being, being the age I was too, it was... It was quite difficult because I was obviously very upset about my mum dying mm. and then every time, like, you know, people would bring it up, it would just bring it back up again oh, totally. because obviously I hadn't dealt with it so and, it and was like, just really upsetting to me. Your school probably had, like, Mother's Day things well, or... Things like that. But, I mean, I think even just people close to, like, my family, like my grandparents and stuff, I think a lot of them didn't want to actually bring it up because they saw how upset it made me. So that kind of made them hesitant to even want to discuss it. Do you reckon that made it better or worse? For me, it made it worse. Made it worse. Because to me, I didn't ever get a chance to uh, discuss how I felt about it and discuss my feelings and how I was feeling inside. I just had to keep all that inside. Even just things like sort of like... Talking about your mum and like reminiscing. Oh, I remember like, well, when it your was, mum. Well, it was almost like mum didn't exist after that because there was never any discussion apart from you know. I think my my mum's mum, you yeah, know, my grandma in Sydney. I think she tried to discuss her a bit, and yeah. you know. But I really don't know a lot about my mum, which is sad because I think you know you want to know stuff. Maybe yeah, especially later on, mm-hmm. you you want to know stuff. Yeah, and. Yeah, I feel like a lot of that wasn't said just because of the effect that it had on me right. at that time. It was, you know, it was very upsetting. So, and I, I just, you know, every time they mentioned them, I just burst into tears, you know. Yeah. And that was for years. Even like and into... Like even like, into adulthood because I yeah. kept stuff inside so much that even just me talking about my mum, I hadn't dealt with it. So it was as if it was just you know, fresh again. Like I remember when Patria first, you know, my wife, we first, you know, started really, I guess, you know, being together and she she mentioned to me years later that, you know, the first time we ever talked about it and, you know, I just broke down in tears and she was like, oh, fuck, what, you know, what's the go with this? What's what's going on? She thought she thing. said something wrong. Like, yeah, well, yeah. I don't know, maybe she did. I'm not sure exactly what she thought about it. But yeah. Even I couldn't understand why it kept happening because obviously I'd see people around who, you know, in a similar situation who'd lost parents and stuff and they could talk about it and they were okay with it. But and you I, just I couldn't, couldn't understand why you couldn't? I couldn't understand what yeah, what was wrong with me. Why why can't I yeah. deal with this? Why is this happening? Yeah. yeah it, was, it was weird and horrible. So I guess, yeah, that's definitely, you know, as I said, it's... That was a major catalyst in my life that sort of started the whole mental health issues, I guess you yeah. could say. Did you ever try like try things to try sort of cope with it and they just like mm. didn't work? Like 
Oh, I tried some things. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> I used to uh, self-medicate quite a lot. That was right. that was my coping mechanism, especially yeah. once, you know, late teens. Yeah. I sort of got to the point where I was like, oh, you know, yeah, whatever, experimented with a few things and, yeah, I used to smoke a fair bit of weed and looking back on it, it was like definitely more therapeutic than anything because it took those more feelings so than of recreational. It was oh, there was definitely some recreational <laughs> involved. Don't don't get me wrong; it wasn't just for the medical side of stuff. Oh, I am oh, not oh, going to. Oh no, there I'm was not going to paint any false <laughs> images here. There was, that's it was definitely, <laughs> but I think to the the level that I did do that. Yeah. Looking back, I can definitely see I was trying to relieve, you know, a lot of anxiety and stuff that I was feeling. And yeah. I, for, for, I think by the time I got to that point, I'm not sure I understood why I had those feelings. Right. I, I sort of, like I knew there was that kind of sadness within me from that, but I didn't really, I guess, put two and two together and think, well, it should, I shouldn't be still feeling like that about about that so long ago now. Right, you, yeah. you sort of thought this can't possibly be the mum stuff, this yeah. must be something else. Yeah, well, maybe not even that. I just couldn't understand why it was still having such an impact, I guess. Mm. So, yeah, but then as I said, like looking back on it, I can definitely see that I did that part of my life for probably a bit longer than what, you know, because I used to... I think my mates used to be able to go, oh, yeah, well, we'll just, you know, have a smoke and then that'll be it. Whereas me, I was like, oh, no, I, you know, if I'm, I need to have some, you know, and like it was, I'd get real stressed and, you know, anxious about. Sort of like a dependency? Yeah, definitely Not, not an addiction but a dependency. Oh, I don't know. I think it probably did border on addiction there to a point but it was more that it was I couldn't deal with the maybe the anxiety because that's what it took away. Yeah. And once I stopped, I was like, oh, well, fuck. All right, now there's this anxiety shit. I didn't realise that I was having that. Right. And I think that's truly looking back, I truly think that's what I was trying to stop was that anxiety by doing the weed part and that's what was helping. Yeah. Which is weird and, you know, it sounds like a bit of an excuse or something but I truly think that's how it went. It was sort of like um, it just like took a, the edge off a temporary that. fix. It definitely was. Yeah. It was a band aid. Like any any sort of substance abuse or whatever is always. It's not going to take the problem away. No, it just masks it. Yeah, and, and eventually, for some, when for some you people take causes that, more problems. Take that band aid off. It's all still there. You yeah, know? like it doesn't fix anything. Well, so I it took a lot of years to figure that out. When I, when, <laughs> I, when I first met you, and when I started working for you, like you didn't drink. Didn't smoke, no, I nothing. Didn't. You were you were what the kids would say nowadays, straight edge, bro. Mm. You were you were I pretty was. pretty straight edge. Uh, yep. I think apprenticing me sort of changed that a little bit. It'll drove you to drink. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one, maybe one Corona a day. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. <laughs> but so so, <laughs> at what point did you like stop um, drinking and and smoking weed and all that sort of stuff? Like, was there like a, a Decision where you're like, fuck, I need to yeah, cut I did. this. I got to a point where I was like, well, fuck, all right, I can't keep doing this in life. Yeah. Because, yeah, like kids had come along. Right. It was starting to get a bit like awkward that, yeah, the kids were, well, my oldest one was just starting to get to the point where I'd be trying to sneak off to the shed 
to have a quiet smoke, you know, because I obviously didn't want to do it around the kids or anything. So yeah. I'd be trying to sneak away and they'd be going, well, oh, where are you going? Can I come with you? And I'm like, no, no, you just stay inside for a bit. And I was like, oh, this is, this is fucked. Yeah. I can't do this. This isn't right. Yeah. You know, I'm a parent now. I, I need to be responsible. This, you know, this isn't okay. Yeah. So I went, all right, well, I need to address this. Yeah. So, so then, so so that's then you, what I you, did. S- you stopped doing that. Um, and then uh, you eventually went on to Tattoo. Yeah, it was pretty much like around, I guess, a similar time. Same sort of time, so right. So I definitely wasn't like still doing all that once I started apprenticing. Well, what, what happens when you've got like that high anxiety and everything that you tried to self-medicate and you've stopped doing that and then you go into such a high-pressure, um, you know, high-risk job, high-stress job like tattooing, uh, and now you're not self-medicating and you've got all that anxiety about yeah. all those other things. Did, did tattooing distract from those or did it contribute to I think it did initially. Yeah. I think initially it did because it, it gave me something else to focus on that, you know, I think the creative side of things can definitely, uh, I guess, give you positive feelings and, you know, keep you motivated and keep your mind off the negative sort of stuff, I guess, to a point. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, it definitely did, um, yeah, just give me a different focus, I suppose. Mm. But initially it wasn't like, oh, well, there was always things that, you know, you'd get that take you out of your comfort zone a bit and it's like, oh, fuck, how am I going to do this shit? Oh, I've got no idea. And, you know, you'd do the drawing and you'd painstakingly fucking colour it in with the coloured pencils or whatever and you'd try and figure out exactly how you do it because realistically you've got no idea what you're doing yeah. still, you know. You're just trying to work it out. So it's like, all right, well, I think I'm okay. And then you do the tattoo and it's like, oh, well, fuck, what do you know? That turned out pretty good. Yeah. Oh, oh that's, that's, that's heaps good. All right, well, okay. That, I didn't need to worry about that. Now I can, now I can do something like that again. Yeah. Okay, that's all right. Because you, you were also, when you started sort of tattooing, you were going to art classes as well, weren't you? I did do art classes yeah. for a little while, yeah. Yeah, to yeah. What, like, sort of bring yourself up to speed with all the stuff that I've, people would have sort of learnt by doing art through high school or... I think so, a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was more... Yeah, I don't know. I think, as you said, like I... I missed out on that art stuff at school, which, like, looking back, I regret because that definitely would have helped me now. Yeah. I think I would have progressed a lot faster if I had have had that in the background. But, yeah, I think I tried to do that just to, yeah, just, I guess just to absorb myself a little bit more and give me just some more skills that I could use towards tattooing. Yeah. Even though it wasn't, what I was doing wasn't specifically tattoo related. Yeah. I think it still, you know, gave me that avenue. I think that's really something because uh, how many people do you know that are like, oh, I'm not creative, I can't draw, all that sort of shit. And, oh, I you still know, think that. Well, <laughs> well <laughs> you're wrong. Um, but, but people, I know, just resign to the fact, ah, oh, whatever. But it's like you at 40 starting this, you're like, I need to do everything I give me, give myself every chance I can to succeed if it means you know, at night time going to art classes or, or whatever to, to learn these things. Oh, I'm stubborn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm I, stubborn and a little bit determined in certain ways. But so many people would be stubborn in the fact so, where they're like, oh, if I haven't learnt it now, I'm not going to learn it. 
Whereas, yeah, you know, like, I guess so, but I've always been open to, um, yeah, new things, I guess. Yeah. I've always felt that, yeah, you can always learn more. Um, yeah, there's always things to learn. So it doesn't matter how much you know, there's always more. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And in, in regards to like the the whole mental health topic, like were there sort of changes that you implemented either at work or at home or anything that sort of um, helped improve that aspect of your life? Um, Did you start doing anything differently other than stop smoking weed? I think, I honestly don't think any of that sort of side of it happened until fairly recently, probably mm-hmm. maybe the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, because I used to just very much get absorbed in the work. Yeah. And I, because like conspiracies are straight shop, so it's always been the case of, you know, I was taught that, whatever comes in the door kind of thing, that's what we do. Yep. And I will try to do most things. If, you know, I'm not going to do something that I can't do. If a portrait comes in the door, I'm going to be saying, no, I don't do that. I can't do that. That's not my thing. Yep. I'm not even going to attempt it because obviously it's on someone forever. I don't want to be fucking people up. I, yep. I want to be fairly confident that what I can do is going to be good enough for that person forever. Yeah. Um, but in that same sense, I suppose, initially there was a lot of stuff coming in that I was like, oh, fuck, I don't know if I can do this. And as I said before, like, you'd go home, you'd probably spend a lot of time on it Mm -hmm. and then you'd do it and it was okay. So coming from that mindset, I guess, and then once I owned the business, I was very much geared to, okay, well, fuck, I need to be doing everything. I need to, you know, keep the customers in the door. I need to be... Um, you know, making the customers happy so that they bring more people back and I need to get this business... Doing, doing six, seven tattoos a day. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like, you know, I need, if I've got a spare half an hour, it's like, fuck lunch, I'll just squeeze a fucking name in there. Like, that's yeah. that's how it goes. And, and that's how I learnt mm-hmm. and that continued through, well, almost till now. Like, I'm not going to say that I don't do that now, but... You definitely got to a point where you were starting um, to burn yourself out. Definitely. And that's that's where I say a couple of years ago, and you were still at the shop then. Yeah. Um, and there came a point where, yeah, I was just doing too much and overcommitting myself way too much, and it got to a point where I was just, yeah, I'd, I'd burn out and I was, I was at breaking point. I couldn't deal with it. It was... Just even just the volume of messages coming in, and you know, it's just the old straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. I got to a point where I was just fucking went, oh, I, I can't do this. And yeah, we had an evening there where we were all sitting around having a beer, and you know, I just something came up, and I said, look, guys, I got to fucking tell you that you know I just can't do this. And yeah, I just, I was just broken, and I was right to the point of. You know, I, I let things go too far and mm. I was just like, fucking, I'm, I'm done. I'm broken here. Yeah. And thankfully I had you and, and Kyle, who is my um, apprentice now, that he was only shop boy then. And, you know, luckily the, it was you two there and you, you're both very supportive to me and you were both like, well, look, that's all right. Don't, don't worry. We're here. We'll do whatever it 
you know, we need to do. We can help you do this. We can take this off your hands, you know. You don't need to be worrying about this, you know. We'll do all this. Don't worry. You just yeah. do whatever you can do. And that that was a turning point, I think, as far as my mental health because I was always of the mindset that, you know, fuck me, just grind me into the ground, just keep fucking working. As long as the customers are happy, doesn't matter how I feel. Yeah. And it was at that point I was like, well, okay, I can keep doing that, but even though I'm trying to keep everyone else happy, this isn't making me happy and this isn't where I wanted to be. Yeah, I remember that afternoon where, where you... Oh, I'm sure you went, probably <laughs> do. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a moment. It was a fucking moment. But I, I remember it, it looked like it was physically hard for you to, to bring it up. To mention it. It like, was. I was actually to the point where people would walk in the door and I could hardly even turn around and greet them mm. to be in the shop because I was like, oh, fuck, not another one. I don't know if I can deal with this. That's yeah. to the point that I was at. But but just starting that conversation with Kyle and oh, I. Sure. Um, That's hard. It's extremely hard. Coming from, like, my generation. I don't well, like to say so, it that totally. way, but for me, like, You're old yeah, as fuck. We get it. That's like, you know, I'm a bloke. <laughs> Yeah, I am old. Yeah. And you don't come from that my generation and, yeah. and just come out and say that, oh, I can't fucking deal with this shit, you know? Yeah. Like that's not what blokes do, you know? And you, and you said that was a turning point is. for you by, that, that by is being what able to, to mention it and, and open up about it. That was like oh, the, for sure. the beginning of, of, of something. Just, I've got to tell you, just speaking those words to you two was a big game changer. Yeah, just letting someone else know how I felt rather than just having it all inside yeah. changed a lot. I instantly felt differently. I was yeah. like, okay, fuck, I'm not just on my own. There is people around me that can help yeah. and there is a solution to this. I yeah. can work, we can, well, not just me, we can work this out and we can maybe do something a bit different. Yeah, I've always thought that there's a million solutions to any one problem and that there's more than one way to skin a cat. And what See, a lot my of people... problem is there's always a million problems <laughs> <laughs> to, one, to one issue. So that's where... There's a million cats to skin. That's how I've ended up in this position. <laughs> but, but, I mean, like, I, I feel like a lot of people don't realise that um, the first solution to, to any problem is just asking someone to help you out with it. Definitely, and Even that's, not, that's the not, hardest Not part. asking someone to do it for you. No. Literally just like... It's just speaking I, and saying, I've got that problem. Yeah, in anything. Like not, anything. Even, not even mental health no. related. It's just like one solution you to know, any problem all, is just asking for it. pride and stuff like that in the way. Totally. And, you know, no one wants to admit that they can't do anything. Everyone wants to be able to do it all. And, yeah. you know, we, we can't. No. Eventually, something's going to happen where, yeah... You might need a bit of help, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, Le leading up to that sort of chat that we had that afternoon after work, Kyle and I obviously knew you were going through shit. Oh, for sure, it, it was very obvious. And it would always be like, "Oh, you're right." I think we we fucked up. We kept we're trying to no, make. We, you didn't. You were trying <laughs> to make light of the situation. We're trying to make light of the situation and kept calling you sad boy. Yes, which yes, inevitably made things worse. Uh, but to your defence, you were trying to make light of the situation. <laughs> Doing it the wrong way. No, no, but, no. But, um, but that was the, the turning point, wasn't it? Because that was what started the yeah, conversation. Yeah, you were sick of saying sad boy. I've got to tell you, it's like 
honestly, I'm doing it rough and, yeah. like, please don't call me sad boy anymore because yeah. I fucking know how I feel and I don't want to feel like this and yeah. it's not my choice to be like this and I fucking hate being like this, so please don't do it. Yeah, the floodgates were open. And that's it. That just opened mm. it. And I was like, well, all right, I have to fucking say something because I can't keep, you know, even though I, I fucking knew you guys were joking and I knew it mm. wasn't serious and I knew you weren't trying to do it to be hurtful at all. Yeah. But it was just, it was hurting me. Yeah. 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 So sorry about that. That's all good. <laughs> no, I, I, but, I definitely don't hold any grudges about that sort of thing because that helped me. Yeah. Because that was the, the turning point that allowed me to actually say something. Wouldn't be a about method I'd it. recommend though. Hey, no, probably not. But, <laughs> you know, there's, you're not a professional. There's probably, oh, that's there's probably, there's <laughs> that's probably better ways clear. to come about it. But hey, you know, it worked out. I still love you, mate. Thanks, mate. <laughs> so from that from that point on, I can't really remember. Like, did you take some time off? What What did you do from that moment after you talked to Kyle and I uh, about like look, what you were going through? Did what did you change? I'm really not sure what I did initially, but it was clear at that point that I needed to do things differently. I think I tried to limit the workload a little bit, mm-hmm. and I I may have taken some time off or just rescheduled a fair bit of stuff to lighten the load a bit initially. Yep. I honestly can't remember exactly what I did. And I know you two guys like really stepped up and said, look, don't fucking worry about this and don't worry about answering messages and we'll take care of all that. And that didn't last forever, but that was no. enough time for me to have a bit of a break, I guess. Yeah. And because then was- it was hard to try and I was tattooing all day dealing with messages at night, you know, there was no downtime, there was no family time, there was no me time, it was all just work, work, work because I was still in that mindset of trying to, um, I guess, make the business succeed at at the cost of me and my personal life. Yeah. But that I've always been the type of person that pushes me personally to the back, you know. Yeah. What... What Dan wants isn't important. Um, yeah, like self-esteem issues would, would come with depression, you know. I, I'm not the greatest with self-esteem, you know, the, that little voice in your head that says, no, nah, you're shit, you know, what the fuck are you even doing, why are you here, you know, there's a million people that are better than you, you don't deserve this, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's constantly there just nagging away at you in the background. It's like just fucking shut up but yeah. you listen to it and after after it's been there for so long it's very difficult to shut that voice up a little bit. We, we used to joke about it a fair bit like when you do a tattoo that you're stoked on say it's an eagle ah, and you're like man this, this eagle is the I'm, situation. I'm actually really happy with this and then you're on social Fuck media yes. and you're scrolling and there's 10 that other cunts night, that have done every a way time. better eagle. Yeah. <laughs> and you do you're just like this is the best fucking tattoo I've ever done I'm so stoked with this yep. and then guaranteed Three fucking scrolls in, there's something that's fucking amazing and you just go, I am shit. Yeah. But then in that, that being said, I saw a, ah, it was like an interview with Nico Hurtado or something and he was talking about doing, you know, portraits and shit that he does, which is fucking, you know, of all people. Yeah, of all people. And, And he said, you know, he does a portrait, 
he goes up to the motel room and he'll be looking at photos of it and he'll be going, oh, man, you know, I should have done it this way. Or, oh, I fucking hate the way I did that. I should have done it something else. And it was that point I thought, fucking hell, you know, if someone like that who's got, you know, however, I don't even know what sort of a following he has, but it would be amazing. Yeah. And I'm thinking if that guy thinks like that, that's probably normal. Yeah. Like a lot of people probably feel a little bit insecure and, about and that by, no matter having, what level you're at. By having that sort of healthy level of uh, self, I don't know, being, being critical of yourself, mm. um, you know, it, it... There's definitely it, a healthy level and a unhealthy level. Yeah, becoming obsessed by it is not good. You definitely need to being aware rein of that it, in a little bit. Like looking at things and being aware of what you could do better, all that sort of stuff. If you're sure. not thinking that, you may as well quit. Oh, for sure. You want to look at it so that to look where you can improve it but not look at it like, oh, I'm shit, I shouldn't even be doing this. You don't want to go to that extreme. Yeah. And when you look at like the big dogs like Nico Hurtado, one of the most famous tattooers in the world, and he's still doing it. It shows that sure. he still sees room for improvement. Sure. And, and I it think still has that drive and, and that um, motivation to improve and get better. To be better. When yeah. most, most of us would sort of like look at the, the part that he's in in his career. Where oh, it's like, I think oh, it can't get better. He's made it. Yeah, He's true. at the top. Yeah. You know, but he's still he thinking He could keep that. doing what he's doing right now forever and, you know, everyone's going to be just like, fuck me, that's amazing. Mm. But, yeah, even him is, even he's looking at, how he can do that thing that little bit better every time. And it's like that's what it's about. Yeah. You're always, you're never going to be to the pinnacle of especially tattooing, but I think a lot of, well, crafts that like tattooing, yeah. you know, a lot of trades, crafts, I think we're always on that hunt for perfection, but we'll never get there. What, what do you think you've learnt about yourself through devoting yourself to a craft? Um, that's a tricky one. I've definitely, ah, wow. I've definitely learned that one of the big ones, I think, one of the the biggest ones is that I'm definitely capable of way more than what I ever thought I would be. Yeah. Um, I've always kind of put, uh, restrictions, I guess, mentally on what, I can and can't achieve. Like, uh, I can't do that. Exactly. I won't even try it. Like that's Not that I won't even try it. Right. But I think, like, I am willing to try a lot of things. Yeah. But I always find that, you know, I think, uh, you know, even if I do a good job with something, I'll think, ah, oh, you know, fuck it, it could have been better or oh, I probably shouldn't, you know, I don't know. I always feel like it should have been better or I'm not the greatest at it or whatever, you know, like there's always that nagging self-doubt there. Yeah, so instead um, of like so that, that think, positive sort of um, yeah, self self, It, it, it definitely always was quite negative. Yeah. But I think I've tried to turn that around a little bit and, and just looked at it from the fact that, you know, fuck, like tattooing I think always takes a lot of years to actually get to a point where it's like, well, fuck, all right, well, maybe I can do something like that. Like you're not going to feel that way in the first year or I, yeah. hope, I hope you're not going to, you yeah. know. <laughs> like there's probably some, don't get me wrong, there's probably some amazing artists out there that, you know, one year in they're like, fuck, yeah, I'm killing this and they they, they are. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, as I say, the background that I came from, I've had to work pretty hard at it over, you know, quite a few years now to get to the point where I'm at. 
And I'm always like, oh, well, okay. I honestly didn't think, you know, that I could achieve what I've achieved even to this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I never would have thought that I could do that. Yeah. So I think, yeah, turning that around and looking at it from that perspective and going, oh, well, what do you know, you know, like I can actually do a lot more than what I give myself credit for. So I yeah. think that's really been the biggest thing that I've learned about, you know, yeah, being you, you in like a, a craft-like tattooing. Doubting yourself a lot less? I, I, I wouldn't say a lot less, but I, I do try to take a lot more sort of credit for the things that I actually do achieve. Yeah. I guess I, I guess I've tried to have been better at, um, yeah, just giving yourself that little bit of a pat on the back every now and again and just instead of putting myself down about something and going, oh, that was fucking shit, I shouldn't be fucking doing this. Yeah. To not saying, oh, yeah, fuck, I'm the greatest or anything like that. I don't think I'll ever be that sort of person. But just being satisfied with where I'm at at the present time. Yeah. Because I think I've you're always trying to, you know, be somewhere where you're not mentally. And I think the big thing possibly with... Um, I think with depression, mental health, any sort of anxiety is trying to just stay kind of in the moment a little bit and not get too carried away about what may or may not happen, you know, just trying to stay right here, right now, deal with these things right now and worry about those other things that may or may not happen if they happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, that's been a big one. That, that hypothetical snowballing situation. Definitely. Oh, Definitely. if this happens, then, then this will happen, then this will happen, yeah. and you're, you're already 10 moves ahead of things yeah, that's sure. not even going to unfold. And I've tried to definitely, that's one thing I've tried to do is more sort of stay a little bit, yeah, closer to the time we're in rather than sort of looking way ahead and going, oh, fuck, yeah, you know, shit, all this, you know. I've, I've tried to just go, nah, just deal with what we got now. Yeah. Worry about next week, next week, let's just deal with this week, you know, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's kind of weird but I read something, I don't know, it was probably on Facebook or something, so it must have been, you know, 100% real. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what? Yeah. what yeah. Are you disagreeing? Yeah. Like everything on Facebook's real? 100%. Anyway, yeah, so on, on there... I read something, there was this, you know, old martial arts expert that, you know, he'd, you know, he'd obviously mastered the art of whatever it was martial arts he was doing. Yeah. And he'd passed away and he'd left, you know, uh, I guess things what should be in place when, when it happens. And he's like, look, I want to be buried in, you know, a white belt as opposed to my black belt because I want people to remember me by being a student of that craft rather than a master. Interesting. And I was like, that's a really good analogy because I, I really sort of related to that. I was like, fuck yeah, that's, that's so much like tattooing because to me, I reckon the more you kind of know about tattooing and learn, the more you sort of think that you don't know anything because totally. there's just so much to learn. I reckon you never stop learning it. And it's, I think, any craft like this yeah. where, yeah, you can just know so much but then know so little at the same time. Definitely. And I've always had that attitude that, yeah, you, 
you know, you're never going to know it all. You're always going to, there's always going to be new stuff to learn. There's always going to be new ideas that you've never heard of before, no matter how long you've been doing it. Yeah. But you're going to run into someone and they're going to tell you, might even be the tiniest little thing, but you're like, fuck, I never would have thought of that in my whole life if I hadn't have met you and you hadn't mentioned that right now. Yeah. That's just going to change things for me. You know, as I said, it might be the most insignificant thing. Yeah. But there's always so many things like that. And I feel like that, you know, as far as like lessons from tattooing and stuff, I reckon that was, that really rang true to me. One of the biggest lessons you got from tattooing was a martial arts yeah, Facebook Yeah, and post. I don't even know if it was real. <laughs> <laughs> Someone might have just made that up. Like that might have not have even happened ever. Like, but... But it, it actually made sense to me as yeah, far as like totally. a, a craft goes, you know, and I yeah. thought that's, that's, that's pretty cool because it did put it into perspective about how I feel about tattooing. You're never going to be that black belt, you know. You, you really always kind of be that little white belt down the bottom with still so much more to learn no matter how much you know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's change, change gears a bit. All right. All right. He's fucking, he's excited. I thought it would be Where fun. Where are we going? I thought it would be fun uh, to reminisce a little oh bit. Oh, God. There was um, a few, well, there were many, many, many moments working at Conspiracy Tattoo <laughs> <laughs> where there would be some fucking freaks come through the door. Uh, One of them in particular that I feel like the world deserves to know uh, is the... The old, I know uh, which one it is. What is it? It's the it's the guy with the beard, isn't it? It's the beard guy. <laughs> it's hundred percent the beard I guy. Knew you were gonna do that. <laughs> yep. No. Okay, tell tell the good good people listening at home or All wherever right. they are okay. about uh, about this chap. This is a good story, but it's yeah, I reckon it's probably one of my wildest stories, but it's <laughs> it's really not wild, but it was just really confronting. Um, <laughs> this this guy. I think he'd messaged me about getting a tattoo and he wanted his head tattooed and I was like, oh, look, I'm really not into that, you know, but he'd had a whole bunch of tattoos already. So, like, my policy at the shop is I really don't do, like, hands, necks, faces unless you've got a lot of tattoos already. So it's kind of an old-school policy that Brian, yeah. Brian taught me because that's the way it was, you know. Totally. They're kind of the last spots you tattoo that's that's just me, you know. I know a lot of people don't do that, yeah. but whatever, you know. That's that's them. That's that's the way I am. So that was the way I sort of thought about things. So anyway, he's contacted me about getting a head tattoo. I'm like, yeah, well, I guess you've got heaps of tattoos already. So yeah, okay. And he wanted these fucking spider webs <laughs> <laughs> on both sides of his head, yeah. which he'd drawn the design, right. And I was like, oh, well, that's fucking hideous, but all right, yep. if that's what you want. So I was like, I'll tidy these up a bit to the best of my ability and still keep them basically in the same, you know, vein as what he's asked me for because yeah. I don't want to stray too far from it. So anyway, he, I think he sent, it was either his father or one of his relatives in to get the form that you have to fill out, the consent form. Yeah, ahead of like time. Like two weeks beforehand so that it could be filled out so he could just bring it in with him. And I'm like, all right, that's a bit weird, but whatever. Yeah. 
okay. It's not a hard And I hadn't met this out. guy, so I was like, oh, well, all right, maybe he's got, you know, maybe reading issues or something. I wasn't right, sort right. of being too judgmental. I was like, okay, yeah, well, there's, there's the form, take it, just sure. get him to bring it in when he comes in. Yeah. So he's come in on the day... Rocked in, he's got like a trench coat on. It really wasn't that cold and it was like to the feet, you know, like it was a full trench coat. He entered the matrix. He's uh, he's like, I think he had his head shaved because he obviously wanted to get his head tattooed. But instead of like doing his whole head, he'd left like the tiniest little bit right up on the crown of his head because... I don't know why, but yeah, it was just the tiniest little tuft of hair just up on the right on the crown little, of his little, head. A little I reckon the size of maybe yeah, fifty cent piece. Oh, <laughs> like why wouldn't you just get rid of that too? Like yeah, yeah. it was weird. Yeah, it wasn't even like a, a perfect little. Maybe it was going to like grow it out into I've a ratty or no something. No idea. Would have made a sick rat's tail right from the top. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. So he's left that, and initially I'm like, all right, this is a bit weird. All right, no, it's okay. Everyone's different. I'll you know. Out he's come. I've got the stencils ready and everything. I've shown him. He's like, yeah, yeah, that'll be good, that'll be good. And it's got the centre of the spider web, you know, and he's he's like, oh, I really want the centre of it to be a certain size. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right. And he's gone, oh, I've just got something for reference. I'm like, yeah, right, what, what is it? And he's like reached, he's got a, like a plastic bag full of all his, you know, belongings and stuff, <laughs> as you do. I mean, I, I always carry plastic bags full of yeah. belongings. Yeah. Never. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's pulled out a button. I'm like, <laughs> it threw me a little bit and I'm like, oh, yeah, all right, so that's that's the size you want? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, all right, I can work with that. So we got the stencil on, I had to redraw a little bit and obviously I made the centre of it about the size of the button and... He's looked at it and, yeah, good. So oh, I've missed out on a really important detail about him. I forgot to mention he had a beard mm. that it probably went, you know, it was a reasonable length, probably went down to sort of chest, bottom of his chest kind of length. Yeah. It wasn't like a free-flowing beard like you'd expect. No. It was just one solid dreadlock. Yeah, it was like a, it's like it a was fucking beaver tail. Very much resembling a beaver's tail. Just <laughs> one solid chunk of beard, and I was like, "Oh yeah. fuck! All right, I've never seen anything a total, like this in my life. Total mud flap." I, of a I'd beard. honestly never seen anything like that in my life. I was yeah. like, "Fuck! All right, this is this is different." So during the course of the day, I'm you know I'm tattooing his head, so I'm pretty close to him. It wasn't the best, like environment to be in, like, senses-wise, shall he I say. Stank he stank like smelt shit. smelt a little bit. I remember uh, coming in. smelt a fair bit. I came in with my mum. It could have even been mum's first time to the shop and yes, we walk in and it reeked. Yeah. And I'm, like, trying to tattoo, like, like I got my hands stretched out and my nose sort of as far away <laughs> as possible while still being able to do the tattoo. But it was a long day and I eventually got it all done for him and... He was happy and I was happy that it was done. And I'm sort of packing up and in the sort of periphery of my vision I could see he was, you know, gathering all his stuff up in his plastic bag and shit and I could sort of see him sort of side glancing over to me and then back and then side glancing and back and I'm thinking, fucking, what's he going to do, you know? This is a bit bit weird. And I've just sort of continued on pretending like I'm not noticing. Yeah. And I've seen him like, 
edge over and the arms like stretch right out over onto my station and he's like grabbed his button and he's taken it back and just popped it back into oh, his you, plastic bag and I'm like... can't leave without your button. I'm just thinking, it's all right, man, I wasn't going to keep your button. Like, <laughs> if you want that button, like if you're really attached to that button, oh, I'm totally fine with you taking it. I wasn't going to... his gonna, favourite button. Apparently it was. He really liked that button. Oh. But, yeah, that was, that was one of the weirdest... He had like full, full like serial killer vibes, hey? <sighs> yeah, I guess he did. Full serial killer vibes. Yeah, I definitely didn't feel comfortable with him that day and I was the only one in the shop, so it was definitely a bit strange. Yeah. But, hey, it was an experience. Remember the other dude with serial killer vibes? Yeah, I don't really want to go into that one. Oh, man, he tried like luring me into his car. Yeah, yeah, nah. That wasn't good either. No. That was probably the two most Serial killerish. <laughs> yeah, most of the people you can deal with. You know, some people are strange, obviously. Yeah. We're all different and everyone's got their own vibe, but those two are definitely well and above everyone else that I've ever dealt with and I've, yeah, I've probably dealt with a lot of people oh, over the yeah. years <laughs> and they were definitely up there. For sure. Yeah. Well, Dan, I reckon this is a, a good time to start to wrap shit up. Um, thank you for coming down and, and doing the final episode of the podcast with me. It means the world. Nah, look, I'm just stoked that you actually, you know, asked me to, to do this because, you know, it's something that I wouldn't normally do. It's definitely going out of my comfort zone a fair bit. But definitely. You're, you've been one to, to push me out of that comfort zone a little bit and it's always worked out for the best. Um, and, you know, like a lot of people you've had on the podcast already, you know, I look up to and admire in, in the tattoo world. So for me to be included amongst some of your guests is, you know, that's, that's pretty good for me. I, I'm, that's I'm pretty good. <laughs> no, it is. I'm pretty stoked about that. Like it's, I've got good company. So, for yeah, sure. I'm, I'm really happy that you asked me and, yeah, I just want to thank you for that. Oh, but not really any time, but... Um, yeah, you know what I mean. It was a pleasure having you. Well, what can I say, you know? if I'm not first, but I'm last, mate. <laughs> trying to quote today, right? Episode yeah, one, well, bring it full circle. I almost <laughs> forgot I've been trying to work that in the whole time. I'm so fucking was, stoked you didn't oh, bring up the big mixer shit. I was going to do that. Uh, but I thought, no, I won't do it to you. But it, it really has been a pleasure, big mixer. Uh. <laughs> Lures me in, lures yeah. me in with that false sense of You brought it hope. up, and then technically it wasn't me. Yeah, but now, yeah, I'm definitely not first, but last. <laughs> hey, what can I say? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, going then, out on a high note. Go get tattooed by by Dan Pollock, Sally Steele, uh, Jordan Buckins, and Kyle Pearson at Conspiracy Tattoo. Uh, it's like my, well, I want to say like my my second family, but I guess it's sort of my first family because that's. That's where everything started for me and I'd be nowhere without you. Um, thanks to everyone that's listened to the podcast uh, for the last 10 episodes, everyone that's sort of interacted via Instagram and, and commented and reshared things and, and all that. Um, yeah, there's not going to be any more of this podcast. No. So soz about that. But I'd much rather go out with 10 cool episodes than they all just blur, in, blur into a whole bunch of shit ones. So thank you. Um, I'll see you all next year with some other project, no doubt. Um, so stay tuned for that. Dan, thank you very much. Thank you again. Woo! 
wanted to piss so bad. Same. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm gonna wait. 